0: In part one of the Wastewater Series, we talk with Chase Taylor from the Wastewater Collections Department. Chase began his career with the City of Reading as a public works maintenance worker and has spent time in most of the wastewater program areas.
1: Currently, Chase oversees the lift station crews to ensure wastewater continues to flow through our sewer pipes smoothly. He grew up in Reading and attended Enterprise High School and Chasta College, and we are excited to welcome him to the podcast.
2: My name is Chase Taylor. I work for the City of Reading Wastewater Collections Department in the Public Works Division.
0: And Chase, in general, what what does the process look like to to keep the sewer lines uh, here in Reading in good running condition?
2: To keep all the sewer lines running, we go about it multiple ways. Uh, We have three cleaning trucks. They're hydro cleaners, which put pressurized water through a hose. And on the end of that hose, we have a cleaning nozzle. And we have multiple cleaning nozzles for whatever you think is going on in that line or whatever you first clean the line and you can realize, oh, it's greasy. Then you switch it to a different a, a grease nozzle that can pull back and break up the grease. And so we have cleaning done with the hydro cleaners. We have two different CCTV crews and those basically drive a camera through the sewer lines and those find issues or defects from installation or we see a lot of roots coming in through older sewer lines and uh, whatever issues the cameras find we have a construction crew that will go out and fix those issues that the camera crews find we have the lift station crew obviously that I'm taking care of right now aside from those we maintain off-road access to manholes that are off the road and they're usually in pretty tough spots to get to. And so we try to do a good job of maintaining our access in there. So that way we can always get back there and check out the ones that people don't see from the road very often. Probably the last aspect of what we do to keep the sewer lines running is we do our best to maintain a good public relation because we do have neighborhoods where the sewer lines aren't in the middle of the street and they're usually in people's backyards in those neighborhoods. And so when they are in the backyards, we do our best to keep a good relationship with them. So that way they keep letting us back there and we can keep the sewer lines in good condition that way.
0: That is, that is fascinating. So you mentioned hydro cleaners. So it's essentially like a pressure washer. How do you get the, the actual nozzle down into the pipes? How far does the nozzle go? How does the actual process of the hydro cleaning work?
2: So we have a bigger hydro cleaning truck and that has 800 feet of hose on it. And so if it's not too steep of a road that the sewer line is in and the sewer line isn't too steep, you can, you can go the entire 800 feet with that truck. The way that they work is we have a water pump on the truck and it pumps water through the hose. And then the nozzle on the end that you have has jets on it that are rear facing. And so just the pressure going through those jets, pushing backwards propels the nozzle and it'll pull the entire 800 feet of hose into the sewer line.
1: Wow, that is really impressive, and also it sounds a little bit fun. I don't know. I would like to see that someday.
2: <laughs> we do a demo. We can. It's kind of cool. We can do it above ground, and we can put it into a clear pipe, so that way people can see what the nozzle is doing.
0: And and Chase, is that technology that that's kind of commonly used throughout you know by cities as far as uh, keeping those those pipes clean, or is that is that something that that Redding's adopted specifically?
2: No, it's not just specific to Reading. Uh, I believe that most municipalities do it and even a lot of private contractors have that equipment. As far as I know, it is the, the leading technology for cleaning sewer lines.
1: And with the CCTV crews, how often do those go out and inspect the lines? Is that a normal thing that happens all the time or do you only use that on problem areas or problem lines?
2: As of right now, we have both trucks going out every single day. We are actually doing a push right now to get every one of our sewer lines that is 12 inches or smaller. We're trying to get all of those viewed with a camera so that way we can identify any problem we have and try to fix it and prioritize when we fix it.
0: In a city like Reading with 60 square miles, how many miles of sewer line you all are having to maintain on a regular basis?
2: The last number I have heard was over 425 miles of sewer line in city in the city of Reading.
1: <laughs> that is so many miles of pipe.
2: Yeah, it's <laughs> I mean, quite a bit.
1: Definitely keeps you busy throughout the year.
2: Yeah, we have a crew of 15, and honestly, it doesn't seem like enough sometimes. There's plenty to do here.
1: And then if I could back up a little and ask about what a lift station is, if you can just explain to somebody who has no idea, what does a lift station do? What does it look like? And why are they so important to the health of our sewer
2: system? A lift station is essential because majority of the sewer lines that we have in town like I would say probably in the high 90 percent are all gravity flown sewer lines so it, it relies strictly on the grade of the pipe to convey sewer through the pipe and at certain points in in the city of Reading there are places where it's not practical to dig a sewer line so deep that it can maintain grade to convey the sewer and so at those low points We have lift stations, and a lift station is basically a holding tank for sewer. And once the sewer fills up that tank, we have floats and sensors that can tell that the sewer has filled up. And once that happens, pumps turn on at the lift stations, and the pumps will pump that sewer to a higher elevation, and then it falls back out into a manhole, and at that point it can get back onto gravity.
1: And so how does it happen that the lift stations back up?
2: There's a couple ways that can happen. A lift station will back up if the pumps malfunction. And typically the pumps will malfunction if they get clogged up. That's, that's probably the most common problem is the pumps clogging up from usually it's rags or, you know, anything that people flush can clog a pump. The other way that they fail is power outages. So if there's a pretty good storm happening and there's lightning and thunder, it will trip out the power. And at most stations, we have a backup generator. And so as soon as the power gets tripped, the backup generator kicks on and then it's running off of the generator. And so the stations that we have have generators placed at, they will just automatically kick on. But Not all of our stations do have generators. And so usually when the power goes off to the stations that we don't have generators, we will have to go out there with a portable generator and temporarily power the station that way. Or we can bring in a gas-powered pump that we can bypass the station, basically doing the job of the pumps that are at the station, but with a portable pump.
0: Interesting. Is the lift station also where some of the, the filtering takes place? I know, you know, you see some of those videos where kind of as things come into a place such as a lift station, perhaps kind of all, like you mentioned, rags or, or other non-sewage type material gets filtered out or pulled out by giant teeth or, or whatnot. Is that taking place at the, at the lift station as well as part of this process? Only type
2: of somewhat filtration. That's not even filtration, but it's just for the well-being of the pumps. We have what we call grinders. And basically, as the sewer comes into the holding tank of the lift station, it will run through the grinder. And the grinder is a ton of teeth that kind of just spin into each other. And so rags, when they come into the grinder, it will cut the rags up and grind them into smaller pieces. So that way it won't clog our pump. But in terms of filtration and treating the sewer none of that happens on, on the wastewater collection side. That all happens at the treatment plant.
1: It sounds like it's a complicated process all down the, the line from where it begins to where it ends. If you could tell the community one thing that they, they probably have no idea is happening in the sewer system, what would that be?
2: What they flush and what they put down their sinks, it, it really impacts us. One person flushing a wipe isn't a big deal. But if you have the collection of the whole city doing it, then we have pretty big issues. And I think another thing that people don't really think about with the sewer is that it's all fed by gravity. And so sewer is running through those pipes almost all day and all night. There's no shutting it off. It's, it's just constantly happening.
1: And is clay pipe the standard or is that, um, is that the older version of pipe?
2: Clay pipe is, is definitely the older version. I think if clay pipe was installed well, it lasts very long and it, it's pretty tough pipe. It's, it, it withstands all the cleaning we do to it and all the driving of cameras we do through it. But uh, clay pipe is definitely the older form of pipe that was used. And then in the 60s, I think they switched to uh, concrete or uh, asbestos concrete pipe. And uh, after that, I think they went to ABS, which is a plastic pipe. And now we use SDR, which is a very strong plastic pipe.
0: How often is it that sewage pipes do break? And, and if so, what happens when, when a pipe breaks or bursts?
2: Uh, you know, it's not all that often. Typically, the issues we see with pipe is that, especially clay pipe, because the, the joints can let roots in. It's fairly common that in a clay pipe, it will have between the two sticks of pipe, we will have roots coming in that way. And those will just continue to come in until we either dig it up and fix it, or we put it on a list that we clean regularly just to keep cutting those roots out of the pipe. We will prioritize the severity of those roots because we have some spots where the roots come in so aggressively that it completely blocks the pipe off. And luckily, we've been doing a very good job of finding those problems and getting a a video and a picture of them with our CCTV crews and then prioritizing that to be dug up. But there are some pipes in town where there are issues like with the sewer line running between houses. And so we can't really it's it's almost impossible to dig some of those up. And so it just becomes an issue that we have to go back and continue cleaning. We just started a new thing with our construction crew where they can put a, uh, a liner inside the pipe and basically that just relines that section of pipe and we've been having pretty good success with that of keeping the roots out.
0: And, and you mentioned earlier that the hydro cleaners can, can go 800 feet. How, how does the process work with the, with the cameras? Are they also attached to a hose or a cable?
2: Yeah, so the cameras are attached to a cable and the cable powers them and sends the signal back through the cable for what the camera's seeing. I believe when we originally purchased the two camera vans that we have, they started out with a thousand feet of cable. And that, that's not to say that you'll necessarily be able to drive a camera a thousand feet out. We, we have two cameras on each of our CCTV vans. And one of the cameras weighs, I think, about 70 pounds. And the other camera weighs somewhere closer to 30, 35 pounds. And that smaller camera, it, once, you, once you're once you out so far, that camera, the wheels on that camera are having to drag the weight of that entire cable. And so the smaller camera is a little bit more limited in how far it can go out. But the, the bigger camera we have, it, it can usually... If you have a straight shot through all the sewer lines and through the manholes, the bigger camera will typically go out as far as the cable will let it. I'm
0: just trying to, again, ima- imagine this. If a camera is out, say, 800 or 1,000 feet and, it's, and then it's time to reel it back in, how, do you, how does the crew clean the, the wires and the cables and if it's kind of going through you know, sewage and whatnot? I mean, what's the process for that?
2: Yeah, so it's kind of nice on those vans, you can, you can start pulling the camera back and basically the camera wheels will start driving backwards and that is kind of an automated part of that van to be able to just drive it back and kind of set a cruise control on it. But as it's coming back in and that cable's winding back up on the drum for the, for the cable of the camera, we will typically sit there and we have a, a little water pump on those vans and we can just sit there and spray the cable off the whole time it's coming back. And so it's not a completely clean thing, but it definitely gets off most of the gross stuff. And then once the camera is completely back to where the manhole that we're set up in, we will pull the camera up and before it comes out of the manhole, we will spray that off with the hose. And sometimes we'll use a degreaser on it just to com- completely get off the sewer on it.
1: And you mentioned a degreaser. How much is grease a problem in our sewer system?
2: Grease is probably our second biggest issue that we face. We, uh, we see it a lot of times and we actually have a pretty, a pretty strict cleaning schedule. And we have lines that get so greasy that we have to clean them once a month and we have those on a schedule. And we call, we call those lines that we have to clean on a regular basis, we call them hot spots. And so we have monthly hotspots that we have to do. We have hotspots that we do quarterly, and we have hotspots that we do semi-annually. And then beyond that, we try to clean every sewer line that we have at least once a year just for standard maintenance, whether or not it has an issue in it.
1: And are these hotspots in more residential areas or more commercial areas, or does it, does it not matter?
2: Uh, it's kind of a mix. So we do have them. I I would say majority of them are associated with commercial stuff or restaurants, but there are some in in neighborhoods and just typical residential neighborhoods. And those aren't necessarily because the the customer or the the residents of that neighborhood are flushing more grease than anywhere else. It's typically an issue with the sewer line, and it's not. It's not perfectly at grade, and so it will create a belly in that sewer line. And so basically, the, even if it's a little amount of grease that is put through those sewer lines, it doesn't convey very well, and it sits in that belly. And then the grease will start to solidify, and at that point, it'll start choking off that sewer pipe.
1: So you mentioned grease is the second problem. Is the the first most common problem flushable wipes?
2: For our lift stations, the first most I would say is flushable wipes. But just for a standard sewer line, I would say the biggest issue would be roots.
1: And I don't want to ask a question that's like a total gross out question, but my curiosity is um, getting the better of me right now. What is the grossest thing that you've seen in the sewer lines?
2: That's a very good question. You know, I'm not quite sure what the grossest thing I've seen is. There are some lines where where if it's a pretty greasy line and you clean it with a hydro cleaner, the smell that comes along with that grease, that's probably the grossest part
0: of it. Chase, when you guys are cleaning out the lines, is there special equipment or hazmat suits or masks or things of that nature that the, that the crew wears?
2: No, we, uh, I mean, as of right now, we're all wearing masks, but before the, before all the COVID stuff happened, we, we didn't wear masks or anything cleaning. Um, you, you stay out of it pretty well, which is, I think, I think most people would be shocked to think that, that you can clean a sewer line and, and not, not get anything on you or really, really come out of it clean. I I don't think people would expect that.
1: So I guess it's just funny, it is funny. I don't think people would assume that because you see on T V like these huge sewer lines and you see people walking down there in galoshes and all of that kind of stuff. Is does that not happen in Reading?
2: No, typically not. I think I think the big sewer lines that people can walk through, that's that's typically something in like a much larger city, I would imagine. Somewhere like San Francisco has a system like that, but our system is much smaller than you would think. In a typical residential neighborhood, the sewer line in that on on any given street is probably a six-inch pipe, and you wouldn't think that six inches of pipe would be able to convey enough sewer to take care of a whole neighborhood, but it, it does. And I, I believe that the construction standard has changed now that you new construction, you cannot do six inch pipe anymore. It has to be at least eight inches.
0: Do you see instances where folks don't call before they dig and actually hit and, and puncture a sewage pipe or how, how far down are the pipes below below ground, at least in residential areas?
2: It definitely varies. I mean, I've seen them as shallow as three feet in the ground, and I've seen them as deep as 20 feet.
1: Wow, that's a lot deeper than I would have expected.
2: Yeah, and so that brings up a very good reason of why lift stations are a thing, because even digging for digging to 20 feet to install a sewer line, it's a ton of work just to get the pipe in the ground. And so so typically, once it gets to about that depth is when they install a lift station.
1: Got it. To get the pipe back up closer to the ground and make it easier to maintain and clean and, and replace if needed. Exactly. And just going back to the six-inch pipe average uh, residential pipe width, it makes it seem like then it's more important to not flush wipes because with only six inches, that doesn't feel like it could accommodate very much, that, that doesn't break down like toilet paper. Like if New York has this huge sewer system, you could almost see like, oh, okay. I mean, I'm sure it's a huge problem there as well. But with such small pipes, it seems like it's extra important to keep anything that doesn't need to be in there out of there.
2: Yeah, I agree. I, I definitely think and it, it is super important because a six-inch pipe is not very big at all. And, uh, and if you add in that that pipe may have roots in it, it may be greased up and choking down the inside diameter of that pipe. If flushable wipes stack up on a root or stack up in a greased up spot, that's when the sewer pipe completely stops working and starts backing up the system
1: if one does completely back up is it the residential customers or the commercial customers that are alerting you to that problem or do you find it do you find most of those just in your regular maintenance
2: lately we've been so proactive we are finding a lot of issues before they become issues but yes when when it does back up we usually get notified by some resident or somebody who's just driving Driving by and sees it flowing out of our system. We want to get on that as quick as we possibly can because any amount of sewer that's escaping our system is a bad thing because it'll typically find a storm drain and the storm drain will go to a creek or a river.
0: Thanks so much for listening today. Be sure to check out the other Wastewater Podcast episodes in this series for a deeper dive into the Reading sewer system. If you have questions or feedback on any of these episodes, please email podcast at cityofredding.org.